Hi everyone, welcome back to the Irish Pod. Today, delighted to be joined by Jamie McCanch. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for battling through the British minimal operating conditions of uh, of the rail. Um, <laughs> managed to get it working today, so great to have you here. Oh, mate, it's a pleasure to be here. And you know what? It wasn't that much of a battle, right? I mean, people worry about the transport, British transport, and everything else. I'm from South Africa, where we don't have a public transport, so. For me, I just appreciate it, sit down and just go with the flow. But the biggest trick of it is give yourself plenty of time. Because yeah. if it all goes wrong, you've got time to play with. So yeah, it was quite an unstressful occasion. It was completely cancelled yesterday. So uh, there was no getting anywhere. I want to start here. Okay. On, one of your t on one of your TED Talks, we're all about listen well and audio and the connection of human. And, and our latest product is all about communication. You said, if you've got nothing to say, be the one that listens. And we really love that. Talk, talk, talk to us about that one. Oh, wow. Okay. I, what, a, what, a, what an amazing place to start. Let's start in the middle, yeah. right? Uh, and work outwards. Work outwards. So look, I, I, this, the, my background story is I was a perfectly able-bodied guy, right? Um, living a perfectly normal life with a fantastic job, you know, a house, four motorbikes in the garage, two cars on the drive, married, living the proverbial dream. And then one day I woke up paralyzed. I had ruptured my spine during my sleep. Um, it affected my L1, L2 nerve track. Um, and for those of you who don't know what that nerve actually controls, it, it controls three main things for a guy. The ability to urinate, the ability to defecate, and the ability to ejaculate. So overnight, not only did I become paralyzed, I lost my independence, I lost my dignity, I lost my pride, and effectively lost my manhood. And I struggled with that. Um, and it put me into this spiraling dark place that I couldn't find my way out of. I felt like I was a burden on those around me. I felt like I was a burden on my family. And as a result, I took a massive drug overdose. And it was a very conscious decision. And you know, people have different opinions about suicide, but I did it because I thought I was doing the right thing for those around me. And someone came into my hospital room after I um, had tubes and pipes up every orifice. And he said one simple thing, what have you been up to? And then he did absolutely nothing. Um, and it's a lesson learned, you know, if, if he didn't do anything, he just literally listened. And by doing literally nothing, not only did he change the world for a single individual, uh, he certainly changed my world, but he also changed my life. Um, and he'd done something that we can all do absolutely free of charge with absolutely no pressure, he just stopped and listened. Uh, and, and it's something that we don't do on a regular basis. We, we might say to someone, you all right, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. But that's passing conversation. It's not stopping and listening and saying, no, really, how are you? What's going on in your life? What's going on? What's happening? What's news? And so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a massively broad statement for me, but it is a fundamental part of, who I am now is if you've got nothing to say, be the one that listens because you, everybody in this world is capable of being an amazing human being by simply doing nothing and listening to someone else. And you never know what changes you're going to make when you do that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, what a story and, um, and, and what a kind of, uh, a shift in your, in your life. Like one day it was this, the next day it, it's, it's that. And yeah. I guess you question everything and you wonder whether, you know, well, for you, literally, like, I, I think I'm a burden. Um, 
But out of that and, and after that moment where someone did listen, the list of things that you've achieved is yeah. quite insane. Like yeah. just list them off for us because we're oh, going to wow. dig into as many of these as we yeah, can. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so um, so the first thing that, that he said to me after this conversation, he said, have you ever thought about trying sport? And I was like, dude, I've been like blurting my life out to you for like two and a half hours. You know, there was a lot of snot. It was not an appreciative picture as I'm sure you can imagine. What's sport going to do for me? And he went, nothing. But right now you've got nothing to lose. And so I started playing wheelchair basketball. I, I discovered wheelchair basketball and I started playing basketball for Cardiff. Uh, so within four weeks of um, trials, I, I made the team and was playing in the National League. Then I was approached by a lady called Nadine Griffiths, uh, who was the front row for the British Lions, women's British Lions. And she said to me, she said, you're quite fast in that wheelchair, aren't you? I was like, yeah, I'm all right. It's stopping, I seem to have a problem with. And she was like, oh, that's all right. In rugby, we use other people. I was like, sign me up. So uh, within eight months of my t suicide attempt, I was playing rugby for Wales in the home Six Nations. Um, by the October that year, I became the second person ever to climb Penny Van in, in a off-road self-propelled wheelchair. Then in 2015, I decided to do 12 extreme challenges. Uh, to, it was really about finding myself. Um, I jumped out of an airplane at 15,000 feet. I hand cycled from Cardiff to Tembe. It's 100 miles. It took me 13 and a half hours. I, did, I took up uh, wheelchair motocross, which I was now back in the woods, back in the hills. Uh, this time again on a wheelchair, um, doing 45 miles an hour through the forest. Um, I, I, oh, the list goes on. The list literally goes on. And, and, and in that time, I raised a quarter of a million pound for charity. Uh, which really isn't bad for someone who literally like 12, 15, 18 months before thought that he wasn't worth anything. So it is amazing what can happen with a simple statement. Listen, and he changed everything for me. That's such an incredible story. T tell us a little bit, because obviously people can see, and one of the things I have to admit, we, we were preparing, we were like, right, we need to make sure that the, the wheelchair <laughs> yeah. accessible. And then you come walking in and I was like, oh, Okay. So how have things progressed for you, like physically? Because you've obviously got mobility. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is. Sometimes it is a bit of a shock. People go, <laughs> oh, hello. Oh. <laughs> um, no, so look, I went through physio, um, hydrophysio, neurophysio, psychological physiotherapy, um, a whole different um, list of, of different treatments. I've left with a degenerative condition called complex regional pain syndrome. Uh, it is a breakdown of the sensory nerves. And basically what happened with me, the true story is I had shingles uh, in 2013 um, and that retracted back to my main track, which is my, my main nerve. And then during my sleep, my spine ruptured, causing significant damage to my sensory nerves. What actually happened was my brain went, this is really painful and I'm not doing it anymore and switched off my lower body. So it was, there was that ability to be able to walk was always going to potentially be there because I still had my reflex, uh, but it was a massive journey and I had to retrain my brain to actually manage and control my lower body. So um, am I improving only by the principle that I can now walk um, on crutches? Uh, I still use a wheelchair. Um, however, I've got a breaking down neurological condition that will eventually start to break down and it already is breaking down my internal organs. So eventually my internal organs will stop uh, or malfunction and that will probably be my demise. I know that and I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Um, so yeah, I can walk and I can move around and, 
and I do as much as I can. And but it wasn't an easy journey. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I didn't just go, oh, okay, I'm going to walk. It was a long journey with massive amount of support, huge team behind me, people investing in me, people investing time into me, people listening to what I wanted to do. I mean, one of the things I I did was I, I started playing squash. Uh, the sport, not the drink, right? <laughs> and uh, and and I, was, I became one of the first people in the world to play squash in a wheelchair. Um, that wasn't good enough for me. I was going through physio at the time, and I remember my physiotherapist saying to me, "Jamie, you need a goal." And I said, "I got a goal. I'm the man of goals." And she said, "Brilliant. Well, what's your goal?" I said, "I'm going to climb Everest." And she said, "Okay. Well, let's get you standing first, and maybe walking across the room, and and then we'll think about Everest." And uh, I was like, right, okay. And I literally put everything into that. And I was using squash as part of my physiotherapy. I was, you know, swimming. I was doing hours and hours of physio. Um, and that, and here I am. And this is this is where I am now. So yeah, it's been a, it's been an epic journey, one I've actually thoroughly enjoyed, and it's one that's actually made me the person I am. So yeah, I'm very privileged to be where I am as well. And I know that. I'm very humbled about that. Those goals, those objectives to climb Everest and, you know, uh, and some that kind of turn up and say, oh, you can do, you know, wheelchair basketball or, or rugby. Um, they became the focus, I guess. They, they became the thing that got you through um, or were they the outcome? They were the outcome. Yeah. Actually, they were the outcome of the fact that I'm a stubborn little toad, right? right. Um, when I was in school, I'm not academic in any way, shape, or form. I'm severely dyslexic severely discalculate. Um, so the actual um, communicate, form of written communication is quite difficult for me. Um, and with that, that drove me to become, I mean, my math teacher once told me the only numbers I'd ever make up were numbers on the benefits queue. And my English teacher told me that I had no concept of the English language. Now I'm not saying either of them were necessarily wrong. What I am saying is neither of them were necessarily motivational individuals. Um, but it did drive me to actually be the best person I could be. I joined the army within 18 months, well, within 12 months being in the army, I was a qualified engineer. Within 18 months of the, being in the army, I was a member of um, the Desert Rats. Within 12, 24 months of being in the army, I was part of, I was attached to one-on-one intelligence search operations. So I've always been driven into, you know, being the best that I can be. And this was what was driving me as an individual, I went on a journey to try and find out who I was because when I woke up paralyzed, I no longer knew who I was. Um, and the rest of it was actually just a journey of discovery that had a, a byproduct and an end result of amazing, doing, being, having the opportunity to do amazing things um, whilst going on this little epic journey. Did you have? Did you discover during this course of time who your who your friends were? Were there people that you yeah. that surprised you, and yeah, you, both yeah. in terms of people that stepped up, but also that people that you realised, oh wow, they're they're Step wasting away. my time. Yeah, I mean, look, right. All of a sudden, the barbecue invites stopped. Um, going to a restaurant was a nightmare. You know, like, like we we're in London right now, right? And there are very few disabled restaurants in London, right? Now, is that the fault of the restaurants? No, they're, they're in you know, buildings that are 100 years old and it is difficult to kind of change them to adapt to a growing situation. Put right? a ramp out front and it's like yeah, this yeah, angle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you've got to make a run up from it yeah. or be launched from a small rocket launcher. But, and I get that. I understand that the world is not going to adapt to me. But these invites to dinner started changing and people were like, it was too much hassle. And so, yeah, that, that did happen. But then I ended up going into sport and disability sport. And then what happened was I created a new network of people. 
Now, not people that, that could say, I know what you're going through, because our actual only common ground was the fact that we were both in wheelchairs or uh, they were in wheel or they, they were registered disabled and so was I registered disabled. That was pretty much our own common ground. But what they had was the understanding and the empathy to understand that I was going through a journey. However, there was people there that have been disabled from birth and they never understood me and they still don't. And they will openly tell you that they don't understand the situation you're in because they've never been able-bodied. And if they became able-bodied tomorrow, they would be just as lost as I was the day I woke up paralyzed. Wow, that's, that's, yeah, I never thought of it like that. That kind of, you've always had it, but yeah. you lost it. And yeah. then you had to reset the focus and the motivation and, and it all started with that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that's deep. It is, it is, but it's also so very true. And, and so this is how my life changed is, it wasn't a case of people stepping up or stepping down. What happened was I, my social circles changed. And right. all of a sudden, I was surrounded by people that could understand and have empathy about the journey that I was going through. These people then taught me, told me how to do things, showed me, guided me. I, it doesn't matter what word you use, but if it wasn't for those individuals that I am still friends with now, I wouldn't be where I am today because I would still be possibly going around in a circle, not knowing who I am, what I'm doing, where I'm going. So yeah, it, it, a great question. I'm really glad you asked because it is a situation that people do tend to walk away, but that's, and that's okay, right? Like so many people worry about it and I don't, I'm just like, okay, cool. You know, it's, it, it hasn't worked out for you. But then also bear in mind that in 2015, I actually had a funeral for myself. Um, I wanna point out, it didn't make it a big thing, right? I didn't like invite all the street and all my friends and everything. I just literally got some photos of my able-bodied version of who I was. I went off. I respected those photos, remembered those moments of my life as an able-bodied player, able-bodied person, and then I burnt those photos. And what I actually did was let go of my past because I used to sit there and go, when I was able-bodied, I used to do that. When I was able-bodied, I could do stuff like that. Well, even if I woke up tomorrow perfectly able-bodied and not in the amount of pain that I'm in, I'm never gonna be the person that went to bed on the, third, on the 6th of January, 2013, because I've traveled a new journey. So when people then, didn't know how to react or moved away or left or ended the, re the relationship or friendship, a lot of the time was because the person that they once knew was dead and buried. The person that they're now displayed with is someone different. And that goes to so many different yeah. situations, not just the extremities of the situation that I was in. That's, yeah, that's a really interesting way of, of framing it. The, um, Yeah, the, the power of, I kind of, I really like what you said there about the community of the people that you then found and you find the commonality because of disability, but was the power of, what about the power of the sport or the competition that you were in? Was that more about the community than the disability? Does the, does the disability kind of melt, melt away once you're yeah. amongst people that are sharing similar? I'm gonna make a statement now, right? We're in a room, I mean, we're in a room full of people, right? And I'm gonna make a statement to say that most of the people that are in this room or mo a lot of the people that are listening right now are typical people, right? Able-bodied people, okay? Which would mean as a disabled person, I am of a minority, all right? I'm cool with that. That's, this is not a political statement. It's just a fact, right? But when I'm playing wheelchair basketball with other people that are also disabled, all of a sudden I become a majority. Yes. And that is a massive sense of empowerment. 
So it's not necessarily about the sport you're playing. And it's not. Sometimes it is, but generally it's not. The reason we, we play sport, team sport, and compete with teams is because of the need of socials networking and social circles, right? So the sport really is an outcome of that. How competitive you are, teamwork, team player, community, whatever you want, however you frame it, the reason we are in it is because we are social animals. If you are not, there are sports designed for that as well. And I play those sports as well. But even at even squash, which is a single man sport, right? Or a single person sport. Guess where it always ends up? In the pub. Yeah. All right. Let's be fair. There has never been a story started when I say I started off having a salad. You don't say it, right? It was when I was in a pub with my mates. That's the, that is that social network. That is that social story. And, you know, golfers, the 13th hole, 19th hole, no matter how you look at it, right? It's always around the same thing. It's about communities coming together, communicating with each other, chewing the fat, sharing your emotions, sharing your time. And if we do more of that, actually what would end up happening is that a lot of world problems would be resolved. Do, let's, yeah, let's shift to this then with um, the, the broader context of, of mental well-being, mental health. Um, what, what are your tips for people, irrespective of ability, disability, et cetera, but mentally? What, what have you learned about yourself and what, what wisdom can you impart on others about how to navigate challenges that affect you in, in that sense? Well, the first thing I do want to point out, right, is mental health is definitely something that is up and coming within the realms of understanding, right? And that's good. There's never going to be a bad thing, right? But I will say this, that actually mental disabilities and mental health is probably one of the worst case disabilities that you can ever have to face because your biggest enemy is yourself. Is yourself yeah. And I always say this, that the only person on the planet that has the right to hold you back and tell you not to do something is the person that you look at in the mirror. And the one thing in life that you have fundamental control of is the person that looks at you in the mirror. But it comes down to respect. And, you know, it is, I, I've always found this irony and always found this really challenging to kind of understand is if we spoke to other people in the way that we speak to ourselves on a daily basis, we'd be locked up. And yet it is perfectly okay for you to stand in the mirror, criticize yourself, insult yourself, be incredibly harsh on yourself, tell yourself how useless you are on a daily basis. And yet we find that perfectly okay. And yet if we did that to someone else, as a boss, as a manager, as a, as a team, as a colleague, if you did that to someone else, you would lose your job. You would be fired, you'd be ostracized, you'd be criminalized, and yet we find it's okay to do it to ourselves. So if you, if you take that moment back and just stop for a second and go, actually, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna respect who I am. Because like I'm sat here now, you're sat where you are, and you've worked hard to be sat where you are. Like, let's not take that away from you, right? You've worked hard to be where you are. And you're there because you're an amazing individual, an amazing human being who stepped out, stepped up to the, to the plate, put your head above the pulpit, said, I can do that, went out and done it, achieved it, and now you're sat there and I'm sat here, right? And we're, we're, we're in these places because we're amazing people. And yet we find it so difficult to actually stop for a second, look ourselves in the mirror and go, do you know what, mate? I'm actually proud of who you are. I respect you. Why don't we do that? 
So it's self-communication. It's, it's the communication that we speak in with. So my top tip, respect yourself because you deserve that respect. And also, if you respect yourself, you will be very, very surprised how quickly other people will respect you for it as well. Yeah, it's self-manifesting in, in a sense. Yeah. On your point around why I'm sitting here, I'll just delegate really well to my team. They do a great job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do um, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. I mean, that self, that kind of self-talk, um, you know, manif- no, I don't, I'm not sure there's a lot of nonsense written about manifesting. And the, and the, have you heard this thing about the wooden ladder? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if you yeah. think about the wooden ladder or something and then within a, within seven days the wooden ladder will appear yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I buy into that but I do definitely buy into the the notion of of uh, self-talk yeah, yeah you know be uh, be in love with yourself and respect yourself and respect right? yourself I talk a lot about failure right something that people fear okay um, it is actually also the number one fear of doctors and surgeons the fear of failure, right? Now, I always really go down on this point, okay? I am proud of the fact that I am a successful individual, all right? I've worked hard to achieve what I have achieved. However, I'm also very proud of say that I am probably the biggest failure you will ever meet. And can I point out that my biggest failing is my greatest success? Because if I was successful at everything, I wouldn't be here because I would have successfully committed suicide. The only reason I'm here today is because I failed. Isn't it powerful to think that my greatest failing has become my greatest success? Wow, yeah. Failing is not a bad thing. Yeah. Failing is the route to success. Failing is the route to where you really find out who you are, is where you learn from your mistakes. Albert Einstein is the pinnacle symbol of academia worldwide. Yet at 11 years old, he was sent home from school with a letter from his teacher saying that this individual will never become anything and you're better off getting him a job. He then became a cobbler's boy. He was also almost illiterate. He had severe autism. He was what would now be considered ADHD and dyslexic. And yet he is still the pinnacle symbol of academia. He is what people rise to become. But yet at one point he was told he was useless. If he sat down and went, yeah, you're right, I'm useless. I'm just going to sit here and fix shoes. Imagine what would never have happened. Purely because he said to himself, no, I'm better than this. I am better than this. And I respect myself for that. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I think I'm better at. He was told multiple times that his ideas were crazy. He was disbarred from society's level of academia for his, some of his crazy ideas. And yet, here he is you know, that pinnacle example. You just got to respect yourself, not listen to what other people say. I always say that, I've got a thousand of these sayings, right? So we could be here all day. That's all right, we've got ages. How yeah. long are we going for? It's, 25 minutes, we're going to crack on. There's a lot of editing to come in on this. But I always say that, you know, there are, there's two types of people in the world. I always say like drain pipes and radiators. Um, drain <laughs> pipes. This one. Yeah, yeah. Have you not heard this? No, no, no. Oh, mate, this, this I'm is write this down. You'll love this, right? So radiators. Radiators are in our house. They're in our homes. And what, what do we recognize when we see radiators? We, we sense of warmth. And warmth gives us a sense of security, a sense of safety. They encourage us to, 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 be, you know, to live our lives because we're in a nice, warm, secure environment. These people are radiators. Radiators we need to keep. Drain pipes have one sole purpose, to take perfectly good, healthy, fresh water 
that has come from its natural source, the sky, and then put it into a sewer full of horrible, gunky, horrible stuff that you would never drink in a million years, right? So we surround ourselves with people that literally come into our lives, take everything good out of us, suck it into the sewer, and we, we completely allow that to happen. So I say, ditch the drain pipes and keep the radiators. And if you surround yourself with good, positive radiators, you will, be, you will not just exceed your, your aspirations, but you'll smash them out of the water because you'll be surrounded by a positive network of people. <laughs> write that down that's a, that's a blog post that's a blog post right there um tag me in it i love that yeah we'll tag you well you can write it um <laughs> dude i'm dyslexic i don't yeah. write anything oh, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> don't worry we got a good editor we got a good editor um you're uh you've channeled a lot of this energy and you know entrepreneurial spirit in terms of what you've achieved personally into business now yeah um your business see no bounds described as Yale.com on steroids. Oh, yeah. I used to work. I used to work for Yale.com. Oh, so right, okay, that, cool. That's, um, uh, this could be an probably not that difficult to, to make that better. So uh, <laughs> I, aim higher um, would be my advice. Um, but but tell us about Ceno Bounds. All right, brilliant. Okay, so Ceno Bounds started out as a blog, right? Because when I when I became disabled, I was a bit lost, right? I didn't know who I was. I I, I didn't have a massive car accident. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't then all of a sudden just launched into a support network. I had to find that. Um, and during my time of testing myself and trying things out, I, I set up a blog and, and that went really, really well. And kind of certain things went viral, like a video of me climbing Penny Van on my hands, like within four days, 69,000 hits. My website went mental. Um, and so, yeah, it just grew. And then I, when I started using crutches, I became an ambassador of the product that I now use. And, and so then all of a sudden I became a dropship company. I was selling these products to people all over the UK. Things were going really, really well, right? Um, and then 2020 happened and originally we had the storms. And a lot of people forget about that moment of time where basically half of the UK ended up getting flooded. But what actually happened is for us as a company was we couldn't get ships to dock into the UK because of torrential storms. Then when they could, China went into lockdown, which meant we couldn't get ships to leave China. Then when ships were released from China, we then couldn't allow ships to dock in the UK. So what I ended up having was a dropship business with customers waiting for products, stock floating around the ocean, nothing to send them, and basically a big hole in my business that wasn't being filled. So as a keynote speaker and a motivational speaker, I was relying on my work with schools and colleges and learning organizations. And then overnight, I had 153 emails of cancellation, lost a year's worth of income. My business pretty much fell on its backside and I had to think of what to do next. But actually what happened in March 2020 was the whole world woke up paralyzed, isolated in their homes, locked up for a crime they didn't commit, and lost because now all of a sudden you've got people stuck in little boxes trying to do business with people stuck in other boxes and no actual knowledge or ability to communicate with those people. Now, go back a few years, this guy once woke up paralyzed, right? Yeah, you were like, this is easy. I've, I've like, seen this before. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I was born for this role. And that's exactly what happened. So we just went, right, okay, I know what people need. People yeah. need a way. 
People need a way. That's all they need. They just need a way. They just need to figure out a quick response to a bad situation. So we started working with businesses and said, look, we will help you get online. We'll show you what to do. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll run some online shows. Uh, we set up a chat show. We started working with people. We started telling our users um, what these people were doing. Within a month, we had 40 businesses signed up. But then also what happened was businesses changed during lockdown. And we helped them some of that. We actually launched um, the UK's, well, the world's first ever online wine tasting event. It's, it then got picked up by um, a massive wine taster, uh, Ozzy Clark. That then went to Australia. You know, so in this little time of Ozzy Clark of like 1990s food and drink. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was all done. I mean, I can't take all the credit for it. It was done by my amazing wife. But um, yeah, we started working with uh, White Castle Vineyard. Um, we launched Welsh Wine Week with them because there was also an English Wine Week already happening. Welsh wine was fast coming up into the realms of, of awards and literally beating French wines in some of these awards. We were like, well, why don't we just take this online? Yeah. So we did. And then all of a sudden, like actors were getting involved and uh, Ozzy Clark got involved and it just went mental, went viral. And, and that was great. So these were the type of things we were doing. Everyone adapted for lockdown. Then we got released back into society. Now, if you take a wild animal and you stick them in a cage for two years and then you release that wild animal back into society, they don't know what they're doing. So what we then done was go, oh, actually, we do because this is all about change. And I know exactly what it's like to become out of isolation and go back into society. You just need to learn a way. So then we just reshaped everything, flipped the switch, started working with companies to help them reintegrate their business back into everyday life. Now we've got 2,500 uh, 2, businesses that we work with on a regular basis. So Cena Bounds rapidly became a business network, but we aim that business network all around business without barriers. So many businesses are faced with massive barriers. And what we ended up with is a network of people that could help small to medium businesses overcome some of those barriers. We've also got a network of people that can help and support business, businesses that are looking to grow new barriers, new challenges. And we also help businesses that are looking to sell their company, which comes with a whole new set of business barriers and, and different issues that they have to overcome. So we ended up being this integrated business network. And I love it. It's brilliant. How much um, technology obviously plays a, a huge part, plays a huge part in terms of well, everyone, but uh, people suffering with some form of disability technology can help you overcome certain challenges yeah. and and businesses too businesses need to embrace technology change. and navigate change what what are your kind of key insights i suppose as as an adopter of technology to help overcome whatever the challenge might be whether that's individual or or corporate you're going to love this answer listen simple listen to the people that you work with Listen to the team that you have around you. The reason why I'm successful is I surround myself with people that can do things better than I can, reading and writing being one of them. I listen to my customers. Sales, right? Like, I love this principle. Sales is actually the easiest concept in the world, yet everybody struggles with it, okay? Someone comes to you with a problem, with a pain point. You listen to that person, and you give them a solution. That's sales, right? Us. Chris, what do you think to that? Is that good? It's as easy as that. It, it uh, really, it really uh, enterprise sales director says correct. Yeah. <laughs> and and do you know what? People can't overcomplicate it. People are going, oh well, I, I don't I don't I don't ask for money. Why not? 
they are they are in pain, right? As, have you ever had shingles? I've never had shingles. Right, let me tell you, right? Shingles is like being electrocuted. Shingles is what put me where I am today, right? If, if the doctor had said to me, I can take this pain away from you, it's like being electrocuted. It really is like being electrocuted. And I had it through my genitals, right? So maybe you can empathize I, on that. I've got empathy. Yeah, if someone said to me, you pay me a hundred pound and I will take that away from you instantly, I would have given him a hundred pound and thanked him for his services, right? Businesses have pain points. If you take the pain point away from that person, they'll pay you for it because all of a sudden they are in a, a better position than it was when they started. Sales is not a difficult concept. They either want something that you are selling, they require something that you are serving with, or they want to be involved in something that you are offering. And all you've got to do is go, what do you want? I will give it to you and it will cost this. Do you like the pen, you know, the pen thing in Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, um, he says, he says, sell me that, sell me this pen. Yeah. And then there's the guy who works at the, the car garage and he says, yeah, he goes, why don't you write your name down on that piece of paper? And he, and he says, he says, well, I need a pen. He goes, there you go. There's a, there's a pen. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> that's it. And he's, yeah. Point literal taken, right? Yeah. It, to do something, you need something else. And, and to, to sell, you just got to give it to him. And, but the, literally at the heart of sales is listening. So your top tip is your staff, the people you work with, they are battling with the challenges. Listen to them around what they need to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, because they're the ones that are on the ground, right? Now, I've got a team of people that I've surrounded with that do things better than I can. So in order to have that knowledge to know that they are better than me, I mean, literally, if any one of my people that I work with or people that, I, that work for me, if any one of them says to me, one day I want your job, I'll say, great, let's get you to that place. Because as, a mem as an employer, as, as, as a human being, I have the right, I have the the responsibility of achieving one thing. Someone comes into my life and when they leave, they are a better person than they were when they entered. That is my sole ambition. So when I'm working in, we, we do a thing in our company called Little Wins. So, and there's a bit of a backstory to this, but I, I played squash, uh, we, uh, you know, the sport. And to win a game of squash, you've got to win 11 points, okay? However, what actually, if you break that down, in order to achieve the, the winning game, you've got to create 11 little wins. And we don't do it. As human nature, we don't do it. We don't concentrate on the little wins. We only ever look and focus on the big win. And if you concentrate on all the little wins, you go back to that saying that your nan used to say to you, look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. Look after the little wins and you'll achieve the things that you want to achieve, literally by nature. So at the end of every day, we have a WhatsApp group amongst our teams. And in that thing, everyone puts in their little win for the day. And that little win could be like, you'll say, right, what's your little win? And it'll be like, oh, I signed this contract with so-and-so and so-and-so. Okay, great. That's, that's great, by the way. But that's a big win because you've been trying to do it for three weeks. What's your little win? I tidied my desk. That is a little win. Why is that a little win? Because for with tidy desk, tidy working space, better mind, better working environment. Another little win. I had a little win today. I had a free lunch. That's a little win. And I'm going to take that all the way home because I love it. I'll do anything for a free meal. What would you do? Steal it? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, like literally before I came here to do this show, I was at another event and they said to me, do you want to stay for lunch? And I said, I'd love to stay for lunch. That is a small win. This is it's a great little win. And you had a, I heard you had a nice breakfast as well. I did, scrambled yeah. eggs and avocado. Avocado, scrambled egg on toast whilst dining in an abbey. 
I'm going to put that one as a big that's, win, actually. That's a big win. That's a big win. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, I've yeah. ever eaten it. I don't want to hear about before. your big wins. <laughs> yeah. um, what's next in business, then? Um, we're, gonna, we're, 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 we're running out of time, I'm afraid, because we could talk all day. But, no, I um, can talk all day, yeah, but I get paid for it. So yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but we'll get on to the kind of the, the personal next challenges. But what about business? What, what, what's going to happen next? See No Bounds you know, supports more businesses. Yeah. You expand into other areas. I've got a dream. And I've got a goal. My dream is to get Cena Bounds into literally every household handheld in the country. I want to compete with the likes of LinkedIn. I want to compete with the likes of Eventbrite. I want to take away all of the rubbish that comes with these social media networks because we're all, we're all living imprisoned by algorithms and expectations. And I, I want to get rid of all of that because actually at the heart of everything we do are people. People buy from people. And everything we need to do in life involves other people that that's just nature we are we are a a, a, a breed or a, a whatever you want to call it a habits we we, yeah. we we need that interaction with other people so i want to be able to create something i want to take that pain point of social media and i want to put it in a place where people go actually i really get this like literally what do you mean i just got pressed that button and i can have a meeting with someone yeah that's as simple as that so that's my kind of business goal for Cena bounds my professional goal is to um, return on all my promises. I've so many people have invested in me as an individual, um, both people that are clients and both people that are investors in my business, and I want to return on those promises. I want to thank them for, um, for their investment and their trust into me. Um, so yeah, that's definitely my two main goals. That, that's quite, um, I share that one, the return, you know, the people that believed in you return that belief back and, and prove that they were right to back you. Yeah, yeah. And that goes right down from the board of directors right down to the, you know, the, the, the staff and team that work within our business. Because when someone comes to work with you, it is not a right that they have that job. When someone comes to work for you, it is not your right to make them grateful that they're employed by you. They have a right to go and work somewhere else. And it's our right, our role and our responsibility to make sure that actually when they come and invest their time and their experience into us as a business as a company that we return that by making them better people couldn't say it better than that um and then on the personal side personal objectives everest still on the cards or <laughs> mate i'm back from everest you're um, back yeah so uh look we planned everest for 2020 um, you know, the world, the train stopped, the world got off. Yeah. Um, then we postponed it 2021, four days before we were due to get on the airplane. Uh, UK went back into lockdown. Yeah. Uh, Nepal went into the red zone. So we postponed it again to 2022. And it, it's, it's cool, right? It's a big mountain. It'll wait for us. Um, and then on the 6th of uh, May 2022, myself, my team, my crutches, we met up with the team in, in Nepal. Um, we flew into Lukla Airport, which, by the way, is the most dangerous airport in the world. And if you ever wanted to know the pinnacle version of trust, is I got on an aeroplane I'd never been on before, trusted in the fact that the mechanic had it working, that the brakes worked. I got a pilot to fly me. There's 11 pilots in the world that can land at Lukla Airport. And I put my sole trust in the fact that one of the people that would fly in that aeroplane was one of those 11 people. Because if they got it wrong, you're flying into a hotel. And if you get it wrong on takeoff, you're flying to a cliff. 
it is literally the most dangerous airport. It's a narrow window of success. It certainly is. Yeah, there's, it's a, <laughs> fortunately, it's a wide window of success and narrow uh, window of, um, of of error. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we we chat. We took on a challenge. We, you know, the team worked together. We, you know, my wife um, always considered herself as the weakest link because she was so slow, but actually, she became the greatest asset because she was so slow. Um, what actually happened was she slowed the rest of the team down, which meant we had more time for acclimatization. And as a result, because we all stuck together and worked as a team, we, we not only did we get it to the top, but every single one of us succeeded. Um, and it was because we went at her pace um, and we stopped and we slowed down and we, we worked together and we encouraged each other and we made it, made it happen. And actually, I've been wanting to climb Everest since I was seven years old. And when I got to Everest Base Camp, it's kind of underwhelming because it's a basically a glorified, I nearly swore then, it's basically a glorified campsite that's literally covered in a gray, sludgy, ex-snow type stuff that you expect to see on the roads of London during a blizzard and everyone driving all over it. And then the big rock that is effectively a rock that someone's graffitied with Everest Base Camp is stuck on a big ice cube that's pretty much brown, right? It's quite underwhelming when you think of the, 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 the journey to get there. And then the next day I summited uh, Kalapatar, and I remember sitting on a rock, I thinking my lungs were going to explode. And I've got a picture on my wall um, of Everest. Everest in the foreground, in the background, Loopsy in the foreground, the Kumba Icefall going down the Kumba Valley all the way to, the, to, to Gorik Shep. And when I got to base camp, I was a bit like, oh, this is not really what I expected. When I climbed Kalapatar and sat on a rock, guess what? I was looking at my dream. Everest was my goal. That picture was my dream. And sometimes we aim for the target and we, we aim for those goals. And actually, sometimes the goals are not necessarily the dreams that we've been chasing. So there is a difference. Um, but you've got to chase your goals and you've got to create your goals in order to achieve your dreams. And I literally sat there and looked at a picture that I've been staring at since I was seven years old. And that was probably one of the most emotional experiences of my life. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And what a, what a great place to, to end. Motivational, <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> we just thank you for, for your time you know, and the conversation. Pleasure. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, this always sounds like really like literally prestigious as hell. But if you Google my name, I am everywhere. Yeah, I noticed that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like literally, I can't get away from it anymore. But look, email me, connect me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on all of them. Uh, my email address is jamie at cenabounds.co.uk. Drop me an email. I'm, I'm an incredibly open-minded guy. Um, I was once told that I'm so open-minded they forgot to leave the doors on. So you know, <laughs> get in touch with me. I'm, I'm always happy to, to, to have a conversation, have a chat with someone. Well, you, um, it all started with listening. So you're there ready to listen to other people and Absolutely. guide them on their journeys. Thank you, Jamie. Appreciate Absolutely. it so much. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having me.